Thank you, team, so much for leading us this morning. And uh, if you got your Bibles, I want to invite you to join me in the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians and chapter 1. And if you're wondering what this is, I'll tell you in just a moment, okay? Uh, So you got your Bibles. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, Colossians, the book of Colossians, chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 14 and um, continuing to walk through this Um, This letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the young church at Colossae. And uh, as you're turning there, or maybe turning on your screens there, um, we love Legos in our house. And I know there's a a lot of kiddos in the house, so just curious kids, how many of y'all like Legos? Anybody like Legos? All right, I see some kiddos liking some Legos. Well, we love Legos, except when Uh, We find Legos at night when the lights are off and we walk across the floor and we get taken to the ground. Like, we we love Legos except during that time, but all other times we like Legos. And Legos are so much fun, you get these little pieces and you connect them together. uh, And then they begin to make really awesome things like buildings or spaceships or, or, uh, in this case, animals or mech dragon. This is a mech dragon. Now, now here's the thing about Legos. The Legos always come with what's called an instruction guide. This is an instruction guide, and actually the Mech Dragon came with two instruction guides, which is pretty intense. But, but here's the thing. Um, us adults in the house, we wish our instruction manuals were as fun as these, don't we? Um, but, but here's the thing. You, you, you either can't stand instruction guides, and you're like, I don't need them. Or you can't stand instruction guides, and you're like, I need them. All right, you're in kind of one of those two camps. Either way, you're not really into it, not really liking it. But, but what happens is what we all know is like, I see the box this comes in and the kids that are holding it and playing with it. And they're like, I just, I just want to open up the box and like have it complete. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I want to be enjoying it like the kids are or have that finished product. But what I know is that uh, this thing actually takes a good bit of time to create. Uh, and, and it's probably the wise thing to do, it's probably the right thing to do, it's probably the disciplined thing to do, to take the instruction manual, and typically, if you go to the first page, or near the first page, what you will find is step one. And you will find step one, and how to get to here. And the thing is, is that typically, it's step one that is going to be the simplest step in the whole process. And it's From step one, that if you take the discipline to start with step one, everything else flows out from step one. And so today, as we continue in our study through Colossians, Paul is going to remind us through verses 9 through 14 that step one is prayer. Prayer is my starting point. Now, I'm going to give this back to uh, Elijah real quick. But you're not allowed to play with it while Daddy's preaching, okay? So, uh, sorry, buddy. Um, but but here's, here's the thing. Is, is, is our starting point must be prayer. Now, just kind of a refresher here. As we continue walking through this letter to the Colossians, is that, that um, there was a gentleman, fellow by the name of Epaphras. Epaphras lived in the city of Colossae. And there was a day when Epaphras decided to go to Ephesus. I don't know what led him there or why he went, but he went to Ephesus. And it was while he was at Ephesus that he heard the gospel. He heard a a fellow by the name of Paul, the great apostle, the great missionary Paul. 
Paul was in Ephesus. He was there for about three years. And while he was there, he was preaching the gospel. And Epaphras heard the gospel. And he repented of his sin and he placed his faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. And so when Epaphras left Ephesus to go back home to Colossae, guess what? He knew his city needed Jesus. And so as he went to his city, here is this relatively brand new believer is about to become a church planter. And I'm thinking he probably didn't understand that that would be his plan for his life. But that was God's plan for his life. And he went and began to share the gospel and people began to respond to the gospel. And they gave their hearts and lives to Christ. And so you have this young, thriving, growing church. But there was a problem in, in Colossae and that was this, is there were a lot of outside pressures. Just like we find in our day. A lot of outside pressures. And so you had these false religion, false teachers trying to infiltrate this young church and trying to steer them and guide them with a false gospel, a false truth. And so here's Epaphras, this relatively young believer, just started a church, and he's like, I need, I need some wisdom, I need some guidance, I need some godly counsel. And so what does Epaphras does? Epaphras leaves Colossae and makes the long trip to Rome. And it's while he's in Rome that he finds Paul in a prison cell. And it's there that Epaphras shares all that's going on with the church at Colossae. And as we read Colossians, what I hear, especially initially in Paul's voice, as he writes this letter, is Paul is super excited. He's super excited because, not so much the false teachers, he's going to talk about that, but he's excited because he has heard of their faith in Christ. That he has not only heard of their faith in Christ, but because of that faith, he's heard of the love that they have for one another. And not only the love that they have for one another, but the hope that they all cling to. And not only the hope they cling to, but that the gospel is spreading and they're bearing fruit. And Paul is so excited that if you were to dig into the original Greek language, verse 9 through verse 20 of chapter 1 is just one long run-on sentence. I can relate to Paul in that. I'm the king of the, the run-on sentence. I, I don't really do commas and periods well. But the thing is this, Paul was so excited, and he's sharing. And what he's sharing is he's going to tell them, before he really starts getting into instruction, he wants to let them know how he's praying for them. And so what we have, this gift, in verses 9 through 14, is we have the gift of listening in to outside of Christ, the single greatest influencer that we have in Christendom. That here is the Apostle Paul, and he is sharing how he's praying for this young church. And he tells us in verses 9 through 14. If you want to join me, this is what we're, we're going to be reading this morning. But it says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. And being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. It has been said that this text 
almost as much as any other passage in the New Testament, teaches us the essence of prayer. And it is that God teach us to know your will, and then it's God help us to have the strength and the power in you to live out your will. That it's an appeal for the will of God, and then it's an appeal for the power of God to live out His will for our lives. Prayer is not this one-sided thing. For so long, and I shared this on our midweek study, as we're going to be walking through prayer, but for so long, my, my teaching, my understanding of prayer was incomplete because oftentimes I would couch it as saying, well, prayer is just talking to God. It's just talking to God. And I think I had great intentions in that. And then I was, I was maybe trying to make it sound like, it, like you don't have to be uh, you know, nervous to pray or scared to pray, and, and you don't. It, it's a conversation. But it's way more than just this thing we do before our meal or before we go to bed at night. That prayer is communion with the Father. And that it's not just me in trying to inform God on how He should be God or how He should answer or, or, or everything that, that He needs to do in my world. It's about, it's about God aligning my heart with His will. And Him aligning my heart, my life with His plan for my life. And it's in this text that we see initially that prayer is the pathway to discern God's will for our lives. Prayer, this communion with the Father, this intimacy with the Father. It's that intimate sharing of feelings, thoughts, everything you're walking through. It's the pathway to discern God's will for our lives. In verse 9 again it says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. From the moment he heard. From the moment he heard about their faith, from the moment he heard about their love, from the moment he heard about their hope, from the moment he heard about how they were increasing and bearing fruit, from the moment they, he heard this, he has not stopped praying for them. Now here is the thing, like maybe many of you, that there is not a day, I cannot remember the last day that went by that I did not get a call, that I did not get a text, that I did not get an email. That there is something broken going on in somebody's world and they are asking for prayer. And I thank God that we can join together and intercede for one another. And that is God's desire for us as brothers and sisters to pray. But what I think is interesting is it is not the brokenness that is inspiring Paul to pray. It is the fact that everything is good that Paul is causing Paul to pray. He's hearing all of the great things that are going on in this thriving, growing young church in Colossae. He is hearing again about their love, about their hope. And, and he's, like, he's like, I need to pray for this church. Because, because they are experiencing the joy of the Lord and growing in the Lord. And, and the enemy will no doubt be after them. This church will be a target. Because I don't know that the enemy is threatened by an ineffective, inwardly focused, disunified church that has lost its whole purpose for why it even exists. But on the opposite, that if there is a church that understands what its design is for and the mission that's been entrusted, and that there is a unity around that mission, and that we are growing in that unity and love for the Lord and sharing the gospel and sharing this good news with others, that we will be a target. And so Paul is interceding, he's praying an outward-focused church will ultimately create the healthiest believers inside the church. We must keep a focus on those who don't know Jesus. And so Paul knows this young, growing, thriving church needs prayer. And so he's praying. He says, again in verse 9, asking that you may be 
filled with the knowledge of His will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He's praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That word filled means completely filled. It means saturated. I don't know if any of y'all of the course of the summer lately have been to a water park or, or typically there's these kid zones where there's this huge bucket that sits about 20 feet above the, the play zone. If y'all have ever been to one of those and, and, and the water fills the bucket and then as the water fills the bucket it begins to tilt and that's the, that's the signal where like all the kids and I go running to stand underneath it and so it just initially fills up, fills up, fills up and then it goes... Boom! And it just like, it just, it saturates. And that's the picture that I get when I hear this, this filled with the knowledge of His will. It's this idea that as a believer, you are completely drenched and saturated. You are soaked with His will. It means to be controlled by. And that our lives will be controlled by the knowledge of His will. And His will is found in the Word. His will is found in the Word. This is our source for spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is the place where we discover His will for our lives. It's in His Word. The will of God is in the Word of God. The will of God is in the Word of God. You all could probably repeat the the verse. Psalm 119, 105. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That The Bible says that in all your ways acknowledge Him. He will make your path Straight, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, All scriptures breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so if we're to know the will of God, we must be in the word of God and we must be saturated with the word. It's in the word that we see and hear his will. His will is that all people are saved. Second Peter 3, 9 says that he is not wishing that any would perish, but that all would reach repentance. He prays that you and I would be controlled or filled by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ that dwells in us as believers. Ephesians 5.17 says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, to be filled with His Spirit. God's will for our lives is that we are sanctified. It's a big word, 1 Thessalonians 4.3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. In other words, God's design for your life is that you and I look more like Jesus today than we did six months ago. And that if we go back six months ago, that we look more like Jesus than we did six months before that. That we are growing in our Christ likeness. This is His plan. First Peter 4.19 says His plan may include suffering for our lives. He says, Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. Paul. Where is he writing it from? A prison cell. Where is he writing from? A prison cell. Paul understood that suffering was a part of God's plan for his life. It was a part of his story. And God would use this suffering in his story to move the gospel even further out. God's will is for us that we're a thankful people. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God Christ Jesus for you. 
And so it's this, we would be filled, we would be controlled, we'd be saturated with God's will found in the Word of God, but it doesn't stop there. He didn't put a period. Remember, he's the king of the run-on sentence, right? He's just getting started. So he's going to keep going for it. But it doesn't stop with just knowing the will of God. He says in verse 10, he says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. That the will of God that's found in the Word of God is always connected to action. That it never stops with just having knowledge. It doesn't stop with having more and more and more Bible study. More and more Bible study is great. It's a great thing. Big fan, all right? But, but here's the thing. If it stops there, the Bible warns us. Paul says, listen, knowledge puffs up. In other words, be warned. If all you're about is soaking, 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 and there's a period and it ends and there's no living out, then we are missing out. We are missing out on what God has for our lives. He says, because it's the knowledge of God's will that is going to cause us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. This was an echo. Paul told the church in Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians 2.12, he says, We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. He told the Ephesian church in Ephesians 4.1, he says, Therefore, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy Worthy of the calling to which you've been called. He told the Philippian church in Philippians 1.27, he said, Oh, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. It is this idea that I'm, I get it, we're really never worthy. But the Word is teaching us that as you don't just store up knowledge of the Word of God, but you actually live it out so you walk, is that it is this living out that honors God. And it is a worthy mark of a believer's life. But he doesn't stop there. He says this in verse 10. He says, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. If you want to know what the will of God is for your life, for my life, for the believer, listen to John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. That God is glorified that we bear much fruit. Galatians 5. Maybe if you had maybe grew up in church, you kind of heard it in a song form, or maybe if you're new to the faith, you hear this fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I need some of that. I'm thinking I'm not the only one. And notice the Bible does not say, you have this. The Bible says the Spirit is this. And so it's as you surrender your life to the Holy Spirit's lead in your life to His power that your life would bear that fruit. Love. The mark of love is obedience to the Lord. And you just walk through that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithful self-control in every good work. God has a plan for your life. You've heard it. God has a plan for your life today. That by His grace, if we would wake up and we could understand that even in this day, Sunday, today, 
for many what might be maybe a day off. God has plans for this day. And it's a good work. God's made us to serve. We're not saved by work, but we're saved to work. And He's gifted us with a heart and passion and skill set and hands to serve the kingdom. To be a part of that good work. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says that we are His workmanship. You are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which He prepared in advance that you should walk in. And so be encouraged today, church. If you come in here and maybe sit down and, and, and you're not really feeling like a masterpiece. Matter of fact, like the fact that you made it in the door is a win. You know what I'm saying? Like we made it. Listen, fact over feeling. Faith over feeling. Faith in the knowledge of the will of God for your life and in the word of God says you're a masterpiece. And he's created good works that you should walk in. And that you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving. And so God has gifted us to serve. It's this challenge. To see as a believer, where are we investing? Where are we pouring in? God's put those passions, those gifts, those abilities in your heart. And the Bible says this, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. If you desire a deeper faith, if you desire a deeper faith, it is going to be connected with your obedience to what God has already shown you to do. In other words, being deep isn't so much about, again, storing up large vats of knowledge and never applying it to your life. But rather, there will be depth in your walk with Jesus when you pray. It's your pathway to know and discern the will of God. And that as you see this will of God, that you would apply this word to your heart. And when you live out, when you live out in His strength, not yours, what happens is you will have a deeper faith. You will grow in your understanding. Growth is connected to obedience. And so for some, you may be here and you may have had that time and place in your life where you've repented of your sin and placed your faith and trust in Christ. But it could be that maybe you've never taken that step in baptism. That step in obedience. And so my encouragement is that if you're here and you want to continue to deepen your faith and grow in your faith, then, then God has revealed this is what He's called us to in His Word. And so let's take that step and then take another step and then take another step and see and watch God work in your life in great, great ways. So this, this prayer was a pathway to discern God's will for our lives, but it prayer is also the opportunity to depend on His grace and power to live out His will. You see that in verse 11, being strengthened. Remember the essence of prayer? Not just to know His will, but the power to live it out. Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. That word, being strengthened, means continuous action. In other words, this is good news, alright? It's going to encourage us today. God doesn't have business hours. It's not like, oh, it's past 5 o'clock. I'm sorry, you got to check back in tomorrow for my power. No, He tells us in His Word, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, His limitless power, which then gives us the strength. It's not about us. We can't do it, but through Him we can. And that we take that step, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Endurance. That word means to stay under. Now, as you can tell, I don't really lift weights, okay? But I've seen it done before, right? And, and you see people get on the squat bar, right? And they have these, this big bar resting on their shoulders, and they got 
bunch of weight on, stacked onto the end of that thing. And what do they do? They drop down. And if you've ever done squats, you drop down. It's one thing to drop down. It's another thing to rise up. Okay? And so, so you, you pop down. And then there's this moment where you're just kind of like... Mm. And one of two things are going to happen. You're either going to be like, I'm out. You roll that thing off the back and you shoot up and you're done. But the other is that you stay under. You stay under the weight. And you push through the struggle and you push through the pain and you get to the top. You stand up again and what happens is you do that time and time again. You get stronger and stronger and stronger. And what God is teaching us is He's telling us, hey, whatever you're going through, whatever you're going through, no matter how big the struggle, being strengthened with His glorious might, you can endure any circumstance. You can push through any circumstance, and your faith is going to be stronger than it was before. He's going to give you the grace. It's there. You've got, you got to tap into it. You've got to yield to it. You've got to surrender to it, but it'll push through. He says, for all endurance and patience. It's been said that endurance deals with circumstance, and patience deals with people. That we are going to interact with people who think differently than us, that have different opinions, different convictions, but God's word is, listen, I'm going to strengthen you to, to, to walk through any circumstance and I'm going to strengthen you to have patience with every single individual that you could possibly come into contact with. And it says this, with joy. Paul was settled in his heart. Everything, absolutely everything that happens, happens under the sovereign watch of God and he will use for our good and for his glory. But he wraps up this little portion of scripture, verses 12 through 14. That we would all be reminded that prayer is not just that we would discern His will and not just that we would pray and lean and acknowledge our desperate need for His strength that He's already supplied us, that it's there, that it's there, but that prayer is a gracious gift made possible through the gospel of Jesus. He says in verses 12 through 14, He says, "...giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. I love this. He says, hey church, young church in Colossae, I know there's pressure, I know there's a lot of folks trying to weasel in there, spread some false teaching. Hey, you know what? I want you to listen. You've been qualified. You've been qualified. It means to make sufficient. Christ's substitutionary death on the cross has made us sufficient that we could stand in His grace. This is the beauty of the gospel. We are not qualified through our own efforts. And if we're not careful, we will try to think we are. But it's all Him. This is what, happened, what was happening in Colossians. In Colossae, this is what happened. They're like, hey, you want to have a relationship with God? No, you've got to follow the dietary laws. I'm sorry. You, 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 get, you want that? Like, you've got to follow the holy days. You've got you to have dietary laws, all that. Sorry. You've got those Jewish legalists in there that were, that were trying to push that. You had the Gnostics that were in there saying, no, I'm sorry. You want to have a relationship with God? No. You have to reach a super high level of knowledge that probably you want in this life. So sorry, too bad. You're out of luck. You need to get this. And then you had these... Uh, 
It was this religious asceticism, but again, it was like this whole thing was like, okay, you want to have a relationship with God? Then you got to make life really hard on yourself. you got to deny yourself all pleasure. As a matter of fact, you might actually kind of harm yourself a little bit because that will even make you maybe more holier than other people, and God will see at how miserable you are and say, yeah, yeah, th- this is how you have a relationship. But Paul is like, no, 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 listen, church. Listen, listen. Listen, church at Colossae. Christ has qualified you. He has qualified you. The gospel in four words, Jesus in my place. That is the gospel. That is the good news. That because of his substitutionary death on the cross, Jesus in my place, his burial, his resurrection, we have been qualified. He goes on to say that he has delivered us. In other words, he's rescued us from our sin. He has rescued us from the penalty of our sin. And he says that we've been transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of His beloved Son. I love that. Through repenting of your sin and placing your faith and trust in Christ, Christ will come and He will reach down and He will deliver you and He will rescue you from the kingdom of darkness, the domain of darkness, and He will transfer you. In other words, change your address to kingdom of His beloved Son. You are saved, you are forgiven, and He grants you all His power to live a life that honors Him. It's, it's as, even as illustrated like this, like, I love y'all, I promise. Not picking on you, but let's say this is the domain of darkness over here, okay? We got the domain of darkness, sorry guys, uh, love you. But, but here's the thing, it is this idea that if Christ were to walk up and pluck you up out because you have repented of your sin and placed your faith and trust in Christ, He says, come with me. And He walks over here to the kingdom of His beloved Son, Y'all feeling pretty good about that, aren't you? <laughs> All right. but, 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 but here's the deal. It is that picture. It's a change of address. The Bible says there's a transfer. My wife and I, I think the dust is finally settling from all the move. But the thing is, you might be able to find some old information that would say they lived in Auburndale. And you could even kind of Auburndale, Florida, kind of track that down. And guess what? We don't live there because we've been transferred. We've been moved. We now live in Olive Branch. Our current information is we are residents of Olive Branch. We've been transferred. And this is what Christ is communicating through the gospel. He's like, listen, you've been qualified. You could never do this on your own. And not only have you been qualified, but you have been rescued and you have been delivered to the kingdom of His beloved Son. What a great word. And so here is the encouragement for us as we wrap up today. It's this. Prayer is my starting point. Prayer is my starting point. We want everything, like we want the end picture, right? <laughs> we want to work through it. But it all starts with prayer. It all starts with prayer. And this is what Paul says. Paul says this. He says, he says I am praying for you. And here's what I'm praying. That you would know God's will, which is in the word of God. And that you will have the grace and power to live out his will. And that you will not only know that and live it out, but you will do so understanding that this is all made possible because of the gospel, the substitutionary death, burial, and resurrection for Christ, of Christ. And so as we apply this to our lives, a couple things I'd encourage us with is one is that we would have a renewed gratitude for prayer. A renewed gratitude to understand that this gift of prayer is, came at a great price. That a great price was paid 
so that we could pray. I love Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. I want that. I need that. It could be the most important thing that you do today is to get alone with the Lord and humble yourself at the throne of mercy and find grace and help in your time of need. What? To endure, remember? You can do it. You can't. He can. He threw you. He'll give you the grace. He'll give you the strength. Prayer is a gift. Communion with the Father is a gift. We don't deserve it. We often neglect it. May we have a renewed gratitude. Paul was so full of gratitude already in the first few verses. He said, giving thanks, giving thanks, giving thanks. In verse 3, he says, we always thank God. In verse 12, he says, giving thanks to the Father. Nowhere in his letters, his prison letters, will you say, hey church, will y'all pray for me? Will y'all pray that I'll get out of this place? Because I really don't want to be there. Matter of fact, he, 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 he understands again that his imprisonment was a part of God's plan for his life. And he's pouring out himself praying for these churches that we would have a renewed gratitude prayer that we'd be thankful grateful and even sometimes when you don't know what to say maybe just say Jesus 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 a second encouragement would be that we would have a renewed commitment to prayer I think back to that Lego set and I think back to the circumstances in my life of how often I've just jumped in to accomplish my will and my plan and what this thing should look like because in my head that's what it should be but yet I totally just raced by step one. <laughs> starting point. That prayer is my starting point. Prayer is the oxygen of the believer's life. And that maybe we would set aside that time each day. That we would get along with the Lord and we would pray and give Him praise. But that we would pray to understand. And not just understand, but be filled, controlled, saturated with the will of His his will for, for my will. His will over my life. Saturated with His will. But not only that, but then that prayer is that pathway. It's that reminder. It's acknowledging that the power is there as a believer. That you would lean on that and ask God for the grace and the strength to endure. That patience. That patience. That endurance. And enjoy. And that you would then live out in gratitude to the gospel which made it all possible in the first place. So if you're here as a believer, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Be, may we be grateful. And may we be committed. And, and then to those who may be here, or may be listening online, my question is this. Is that the very true, the very real reality is that it is true. There are two kingdoms at work in our world. And there is the domain of darkness and there is the kingdom of the beloved Son. And my question is, as lovingly as I could possibly ask is, have you come to that time and that place in your life where you have acknowledged your sin, you have acknowledged your need for a Savior, and you have repented of your sin? That means you have a change of mind about your sin. It's a change of direction. And you turn from self and sin, and you turn to Christ, the only one who can qualify you, the only one who can rescue you, the only one who can deliver you, the only one that can transfer your address from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved Son. And my question is this, is have you placed your faith and trust in Christ and that you would not let another second go by 
Not another second go by that you wouldn't give your heart to Christ and be transferred and know God's plan for your life. His will, ultimately, he tells us, is that you would be saved and that, that you would grow in sanctification, that you would grow in his likeness, that you would understand the power that he's given you and you are never, ever, ever alone but He gives you the grace and strength and the presence of His Holy Spirit to live a life that honors Him. So I want us to pray. And we're going to have a time of response, a song really to reflect. And uh, as we do that, you know, whether maybe you want to pray at your, your pew, I mean, what, whatever it might be, or just process, sing, whatever that might be, but let's, let's be responsive in our hearts to the Lord. And maybe it's even in this time as a believer, you just, you just lift your hands up and you just... Thank God. You just, in gratitude, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Or maybe it is, it's like, God, I know you've called me to this. It is as plain as day. It is as real as this table is right here in front of me. I know what you've called me to do. Give me the strength to obey. But if you don't know Christ, you would give your heart to Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for the gift of this letter of a apostle named Paul who deeply loved your church and God there were lots of no doubt distractions and pressures and and all kinds of stuff from these outside influences trying to creep in and twist the pure gospel and father you are encouraging them in this that prayer is our starting point and here's here's a starting point for prayer giving praise to you giving thanks to you but discerning the will of God, found in the Word of God, but not just a period there, it doesn't stop there, but that it, 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 it flows out to a living life of obedience, to honoring you with our lives. So God, show us, and then know that we walk not in our strength, but yours. And Father, for anyone who may be here again, who doesn't know you as the Lord and Savior of their lives, I pray right now, God, that they would pray to you, that they would acknowledge their need for you. God, that they would understand their sin separates them from you. And that in prayer, God, they would acknowledge their sinfulness and acknowledge their need for you. And in confession, turn from sin and self and turn to you. That you lived a life we could never live. You died on a cross that we should have died. And yet you were placed in the tomb and you rose again so that all of those that confess you as Lord will be saved. God, I pray for anyone here who doesn't know you, today would be the day of salvation. God, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.